Craft Beer Radio, episode 248, on Mother's Day 2013. Mama said knock you out, and so we're here at Craft Beer Radio to knock you out with, well, we're going to knock ourselves out because we have a huge selection <laughs> of pretty high alcohol beers. Yeah, today. we're getting a little crazy for a Sunday night here. Um, I was thinking, oh, it would be so much fun to like take a whole bunch of Mama songs, we'll do that, we'll go into Queen, Mama, just kill them, man. I was like, thinking that's that... way too much work. So, yeah. So we uh, scuttled that idea. That was my first thought, idea was, was Mama, but then I thought this one, I thought it was better. All right. So tonight we're doing a vertical anniversary show of sorts. We should have saved this for our anniversary. Poor planning on my part, but who cares? These are um, close enough to an anniversary. So uh, we got five beers here from Weyerbacher. Uh, we should say this show is numerically interesting. Oh, two yes. Times two times two. Yes, it's two, four, eight. So yeah. it's two squared, then two cubed. Squared and cubed. There you go. Anyway, you still got it. Weyerbacher, we got five beers here. We got their Decadence, their 10th anniversary, which came out in 2005. We got 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. What makes this show a little bit crazy is I think every single one of these is over 10%. So we brought out the baby snifters. Yeah. The baby, baby snifters, and we're going to be uh, using our Xylus corkers to uh, close these back up. I guess we do old to new. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right, so decadence. It's been a while since I've had this beer. Hopefully, it hasn't gone completely off the rails because it was a <laughs> wonderful specimen at one time. Thirteen percent alcohol by volume. Uh, done on like Jeff said, their tenth anniversary. Uh, brewed with honey, cardamom, and gentian, which they say is a rare botanical. So, all right, so we only. Probably about a, a little more than an ounce, maybe yeah. an ounce and a half is all we're going to do on this one. It's also pretty cold. These will... Oh, yeah, we should warm them up, huh? Yeah. Weyerbacher is a brewery here in Pennsylvania. They're over in Easton, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. all the way over by the um, New Jersey, by that state, that thing over there. <laughs> Appendage. Yep. And uh, Dan Weyerbach is is the owner, and I think Chris Wilson's still the brewer there. We had a, a tour and a, a great interview. Uh, Greg wasn't there, but when I was on vacation out that way, I had a really good tour. Um, they sat down with us and we talked for probably what probably hours. Got to taste things out of barrels and whatnot. They're good friend of the brewery or good friend of the show. Cardamom Ooh. is is big in the nose mm. still. Cardamom really hasn't faded over the last um, what was it two thousand five? So eight years. Look at that. 2005 when we started the show. Lots of caramel and toffee notes, uh, butterscotch. Probably, you know, a good bit of diacetyl in this. Diacetyl, you think? Not in a bad way. Okay. Yeah, that's a... Uh... guess I would not be surprised if, you know, There's you a, get it's, some of that. It's boozy in the nose. It almost has a... The cardamom, you know, the perfuminess and the booziness, it almost... It's going to sound so bad when I say it, but it, I don't mean it in a bad way. It's kind of like a cough syrupy type thing because it has the, the, the fragrance mm-hmm. and it has the booziness. When you get into 13%, you I mean you, you start to expect that mm-hmm. sort of thing. You start to expect it to 
it's hard to avoid a, a some somewhat of a medicinal smell mm-hmm. when you're getting on that high alcohol. Yeah. And but I, what I meant to say is I think the spicing gives it more of a medicinal because you know a lot of the medicines. I don't know, think much use cardamom. Well, no, but no. <laughs> Cardamom, a, a very expensive spice. One of the more expensive ones. It's a very potent one, though, right? So you don't need yeah. a ton. Ooh, flavor. Oh, that's good. There's a, it's a little peppery, and then it gets really sweet and and caramelly. Great aftertaste. Ooh, yeah. That's as good as I remember. That's stunning. It's it's almost kind of like a a, a little in um, Sam Adams utopias utopias they're almost like a little utopia it's, mm-hmm. it's it's not quite as concentrated it's not quite as lasting but the flavors are 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 actually pretty pretty similar yeah that that really rich caramel and toffee flavor oh that's that's good stuff. Now we gotta be careful we don't drink too much of this thirteen percenter. Mm-hmm. Of course, un- unlike Utopia, it has carbonation. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the cardamom, uh, some other spices in there. The cardamom gives it a uh, little bit of a burny quality, a little bit of a um, of a heat mm-hmm. on on your palate. I had plans on doing a teletasting with the Weyerbacher guys with these beers, and that was let's see so fourteen was released in 2009. So I had that plan back in 2009 and it never came around. So I figured it's time to drink these guys. Mm. I'm happy this, I mean, this is probably the third time I've had this decadence, the 10th anniversary. And I remember being wonderful before. I remember raving about it. I'm glad it's just as good now. I'm glad, you know, that's when my superpower pays off. Well, my superpower doesn't pay off is when I sell our beers for too long. And there's there's no greater shame. Well, this wasn't than, really cellar, right? I mean, this was in. I mean, this was, it was kept, cellar, but it was in your. It's fridge. been it's been in the fridge for about a year. Oh, okay. It was in, all these were in the cellar prior to that. Yeah. So for those who don't know, I mean, beer will evolve when it's kept at roughly fifty degrees. I saw or so. a neat thing this morning. I was reading, you know, through beer blog type stuff, and there's the the thirty or the three thirty three hundred rule. It's a rough rule of thumb. Three days in your trunk at 90 degrees is equivalent to 30 days at cellar temp, which is equivalent to 300 days at refrigeration temp. So it's about a 10 times, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a factor of 10 for abu- the oxidation and, you know, yeah. the effects of oxidation for abusing the beers like that. So, yeah, if you keep a beer in the summer in your trunk, trunk that was the example they used in the trunk at 90 or so, for three days, that's equivalent to 30 days you know, sitting out at room temperature or, or you know, a little bit cooler. But I got to think of that you're all, you're at 90 degrees, you're abusing your, your cellar temperature. You're not. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, maybe they made room temperature for the 30 days. Uh, I was surprised that the, like at 38 degrees is the temperature they specified for the 300. So yeah, three days in your trunk or, you know, 300 days a year, Yeah, you know, at, at 38 degrees. Basically cold shuts down most of the enzymatic action of the yeast and stuff that that that, mm-hmm. that uh, evolves the beer. Does it? I mean, I don't know if that's cold enough. I mean, because you get enzymatic action in the freezer still, right? Because like it, it slows down, doesn't stop it. It slows it down. Yeah, like because when you like freeze bananas and stuff, right? Yeah. They're still brown, right? Because you know it, it's not 
it doesn't need liquid water to do its thing. Or at least macroscopic amounts of liquid water. Right, but it will brown more slowly. So when you keep it in your, in your fridge, it really does not evolve much. When mm-hmm. you keep it at a cellar temperature or roughly cellar temperature, it will evolve. More. Right. Yeah, so I mean, these were cellar for quite a while. I put them in the fridge probably about a year ago because they were getting old. And I didn't want them to get any worse if any of them had jumped off the cliff. Yeah. And um, But no, this decadence, oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Mm. That's really good. So, Weyerbacher 10th anniversary. Go out and get some. <laughs> Find it at your local store. Might have fallen behind the shelf. <laughs> In that case, hope it's temperature controlled. <laughs> okay. All right, the 11. This is the one beer that we, when I was on that trip to Weyerbacher, they gave it to me because I didn't have the 11 in the cellar. And... Well, it's not one made made for aging, so this one might be a bust. No, this is a triple IPA. Well, it was a triple IPA. <laughs> well, it still is a triple IPA. We and, and, and Chris told me, you know, yeah, this thing didn't... It's not an ager. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be an ager. Um, so It's made gonna... exclusively with Phoenix hops. So we're going to give this a go. Phoenix has uh, is a hop with a low cohumulone level. It is 11.7%, so it may have turned into, like, remember those really old hop wallops that I had? Mm-hmm. It turned into a nice barley wine? Maybe okay. get something similar here. So as they explain on their site, what they mean with a hop with a low cohumulone level is that uh, when it's used in large quantities, it said they, they claim it produces a smooth hop flavor without a hint of harshness. This thing's still hoppy. It smells kind of like hop pellets, but it's still hoppy in hmm. the aroma. You smell that? Gonna warm it up a little bit here. I, I smelled it, and at first I thought it was like a stinky sour or something like that. And then I smelled it again, and it's like the dusty hop pellet smell, like when you're homebrewing and you cut open the hops and you smell the hops. And well, you smell that a lot more than I have. That's what this smells like. So it still has a hop aroma to it. it you said, okay. So I, I want to make it clear. You said that they said it wasn't an ager. That's what Chris said. He's like... On their website, they say, as with all of our anniversary ales, this one will age fantastically. No. I talked to the brewer, not with the marketing department. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, he, he was happy to give it to me, but he was hesitant on how well it stood up. And this was, you know, back in 2009, 2010. Right. So. It's getting a little bit warm now. Yeah, so I've just smelled it some more. I keep smelling that, that dusty hot pellet type aroma. Not smelling too much booziness or alcohol or, you know, really too much malt on it. This is 11.7, I think. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It tastes like hot pellets, too. Yeah, it does have a, um, has an interesting hot profile with that Phoenix. I kind of see where they're going with this low cohumulone thing mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how it presents the hops. I don't think it's the tastiest thing in the world, though. Uh, we have come to expect more of a floral bouquet, more of a e- either more of a floral bouquet, a spicy bouquet, or a smack you in the mm-hmm. in the head with a resin bouquet. But this is more. 
this is this is it's also a little earthy it's uh it wouldn't quite go cheesy this is the elevator music of hops this is background music hops it's pretty bitter and it's not just it's not your normal beer bitterness there's a how do i want to describe this it seriously tastes like you just like chewing on a hop pellet yeah, you know, it has that texture. It has the, it smells dusty. It has a gritty texture to it. It, it there's not chunks floating in the beer. The beer is yeah. beer is a little cloudy, you know, from a chill haze or something. Maybe a little bit of yeast. There's no there's no hop chunks in there, but it tastes, it feels, and smells like there's your yeah. It, it as as if you 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 took a um, a beer that didn't have much flavor in it at all and sprinkled some. Some of that, some pelleted hops. Oh, I just got an interest. I got that sip. I'm, maybe I'm getting past. Maybe it takes a little bit of time to get past that. You know, I just got a, a pretty neat little whiskey type flavor. You know, fair amount of hotness, a little bit of, you know, like barrel age, you know, like barrel type flavor. There's, there is definitely a, a bit of, of, of a fusel sense there. I, I, I don't know if, if I would call it pleasing. Um, I've lost some of my fa- flavor for whiskey, though, over the course of, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, a couple of years. I, I'm not as big a whiskey fan as I was before, and uh, so it's not going to uh, appeal to me as much, those sort of flavors. Palettes evolve. All right, so after 11 comes 12. We're washing out our uh, glasses because, well, there's a lot going on that we don't want to <laughs> get in the way of. Twelve. Twelve. Okay, so twelve is made from 50% rye and 50% barley malt. It's um, 10.2% alcohol by volume. They consider it a rye barley wine. They use Magnum hops, and this beer, this beer in all capital letters, will just the word beer will mm-hmm. gain more character if aged properly. We're guessing that peak taste will be in the one to two year old range, with three and four not far behind. Well, this was twenty out seven, so <laughs> we're well beyond. <laughs> All right, so beer pours. Yes, since these are all numbered, it's it's good that we started off the show with a number thing, because these are all numbered beers. So, orangey golden, pretty clear, nice little bubbles coming up on it. Hmm, the aroma is so it's rye. Right. That makes sense. I was thinking, you know, this smells. This reminds me more of whiskey, right? But maybe it's the, it's the rye. It um it didn't have a big malty, you know. Like I, I don't know. I was thinking, you know, big beer, half rye, half malt. I was thinking more of a, you know, more barley wine, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, come to think of it, I've never really had a rye wine that I can think of. I've had wheat wines. Mm-hmm. I've had. Um, I can't think of anything that's called themselves a rye wine or a rye barley wine. And so the smell on this one. Oh, 
Take a sniff. And while you're breathing, I'm going to throw... Will they get warm up first? Give me a chance. While you're breathing, I'm going to throw something at you. All right. Sake. A little. A little bit. There's a little bit of that sort of fruitiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like that rice wine, that that fruity, a little bit boozy aroma. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it's it also, a little minty. It's almost a little bit like a meat or something. There's a little bit of a, a minty character to it, as well. The more I smell it, it's a le- it's less. Yeah, the, the rye starting to come in, yeah, and, and spicy, present itself, yeah. assert itself more. It's a. It's not a huge aroma. It's kind of closed. It's kind of well at this point. Maybe it's too cold. Maybe it's kind of closed off. You really have to get in there, and mm-hmm. it's a delicate aroma at this point. Not nearly a big huge aroma like the decadence was. Yeah, it's it's, you can definitely smell that rye there. You can and and the rye it gives it gives a slightly kind of sourdoughish like uh, aroma. I just took a sip, and oh, this is oh, that's oh my uh, keeps telling stories aftertaste. Wow, that's good. So at the very beginning, I was going to say it's it's kind of flirting between the the sake character and a mead character, and then it really then the caramel comes through, and you know then you get a little it's it's a light bodied barley wine, but you get some of that nice maltiness barley, and I'm not getting anything that's too much like rye whiskey or anything, but this is good. I like this. Hmm. I'm trying to meet you in the middle here, and I'm not getting nearly as much. Okay. I I see where you're going with the kind of halfway between a sake and a mead. Um, th- th- one of the things that uh, that affects that, I think, is the the viscous nature of of it. It it, it feels more just it. it it just has this sort of viscous nature, which reminds me of sake and reminds me of, of meads hmm. less than the other two, which were, uh, you know, more aqueous than this one. That's funny. I think this one has a pretty light body to it. No, it has a light body. Oh, okay. it, it does. I mean, that's the interesting thing is that it, and that's why I think it's reminiscent of sake, because sake has a light body, but it feels like it has more viscosity on your tongue. Okay. Uh you know, so the malt is not overpresenting itself and not, you know, asserting itself really strongly. But it definitely, yeah, <laughs> it it definitely feels like it has like more considerably more surface tension to it than the other beers we were having. The carbonation is not nearly as apparent here. Lots of, lots of aftertaste to really just sit here. This is a great sipper, much like the decadence. You could just either one. You could just sit back and I don't know. Greg's kind of Greg's not as hot on this one as I am. No, this is this is this is hitting uh, a lot of those whiskey notes that I've kind of soured on a bit. So you know, take what you're 
getting for me with a grain of salt if you're a whiskey fan. Okay. But yeah, it doesn't really have a kind of barrack barrel character. No. But you know, that potent rye is something that you don't get in beers. Yeah. And um it does have some booziness to it. It it, it has a, it's just kind of a sharp edge to it, which I've you know, I, I liked for a while and now I'm starting to, to, to not like as much. And you know, if if you're in that whiskey mode, I think it it presents those flavors very strongly. So, you know, I would recommend it for somebody who is into that. But it's just it's, it's that sharpness, mm-hmm. um, just the way it just kind of cuts off and then and then leaves you with with a sort of lingering lingering rye, um, slight tartness. Okay, it sticks around. Yeah, it's it, it's it's not bad by any means, mm-hmm. but it's a little. Uh, it's just not fitting with my palate as it is right now. Well, if you're not going to finish that, I will. Don't dump it out. I didn't say that. I'm still <laughs> okay. going to finish it. All right, I'm just. It was preemptive Jeez. because I didn't want to be like watch it go into the dump bucket. Don't <laughs> just, take it. Don't don't take this away from me. It's still I, good. I'm not going to take it away from you. I just wanted to preempt. It sounds like you were trying to. Like, I, I was just preempting any sure, attempt to dump sure. it. Sure. You listeners, you be the judge. Let's let's get into the commercial. Um Crafty Radio, we appreciate all of your uh listening and and, and support. And support. So we are, you know, going to a few events later on this year, um including the Great American Beer Fest, we think. And uh, just trying to raise some funds for that. So the easiest way to do that is to use our Amazon referral link. If you go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon, you'll get redirected right to Amazon. Anything you buy, you get a cut of your spend. It doesn't cost you anything more. And tune into the post show where you get to hear us talk about Amazon Anonymous, where we have a little bit of fun talking about the interesting things that people have bought in the past week or two. Um, oh, and also on the Craft Beer Radio store, uh, website we have a link to the, our Amazon store which has all the items that you know we like like the Xyla stoppers we're using to cork off all these beers when we're done with it you know mm-hmm. we can't recommend those more they're yep. great those for saving half a beer and we also have the uh, Spiegelau glasses that we really like and a few other home brewing items and the stainless steel growler on there you know the, which actually we haven't tried yet you know they're not CBR approved We'd love to approve them if we get the opportunity <laughs> to uh, to try like a close to fifty dollar growler. Um, I think it's fifty bucks. They're, but they keep their vacuum flask, right? So they'll keep your beer cold yeah. for days. Um, you got a few. There's referral links if you're looking to do some homebrew shopping. You got the Midwest Homebrew Supply link on our website. If you're looking for web hosting, we got Bluehost.com. And I guess that's about it. You uh, do- donate oh, PayPal. You... Yes. Yeah. We take donations through PayPal. You can sign up for a sustaining membership where you can basically choose whatever level works for you. Uh, it's either $12 a year. You could do $2 a month. And there's different tiers going all the way up to way too much money, more money than we deserve. But if you want to give it to us, we would appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Back to End the of commercial. Theater. Nate, uh, Nate Stimmel asks, uh, have you guys tried any uh, Indigo Imp stuff? Uh, I, the, the only time I tried them was on was at the Firkin Fest. Uh, I haven't seen much of their stuff around here. They're just, they're, they're he, said just, he, yeah, he said they're just starting they're just to get starting, into the market. They're just starting, so I haven't uh, seen it. I'll be driving past Indigo Imp on vacation this year. I'm going back up to Kelly's Island in Pasandusky. Um, so 
I will look to pick some up to drink on the island. And who knows, maybe if things work out, we'll stop into the brewery. Cool. So thanks, Nate, for the question. And there's uh, there's your answer. We would like to try more. They were the ones doing kind of Belgian-y, kind of open-fermented, kind of not not all sour, mm. not intentionally sour, but doing some wild things. Everything's open-fermented. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a... Well, I mean, just being open-fermented doesn't mean bugs, right? I no. mean, be... a lot of traditional breweries have open-fermenters. Yeah. Hales Ales in um, Seattle, open-fermenters. But the room is a positive-pressure room, right? So, like, anytime you open a door, air blows out, bugs can't come in. You know, those kinds of things are done usually with open-fermenters. But in the interview, if you listen to the uh, freaking interview, mm-hmm. you know, he's talking about how he wants some of those Cleveland bugs in there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's doing a positive pressure situation. Not necessarily. Um, Sierra Nevada's Keller Vi- or yeah, Keller Vice is an open fermenters, right? You know, but it's a very it's a clean room, also, yeah. right? They don't want bugs getting into their hepatites. In um, the reason breweries would do op- use open fermenters is it's a different geometry. The yeast behave differently, and it's a it's a traditional method of doing so, and. I don't have any science one way or the other, but some people believe it makes a better product than a closed fermenter. Oh, you have science. I don't have science on this. <laughs> no, oh, but you have science. We all have science. I am science. <laughs> 13. It's lucky 13. Or XIII, as the label says. Made with five malts and a touch of oats. 13.6% aqua by volume, a Belgian-inspired imperial stout. They use an Abbey yeast strain, and that's all. Let's see if the label... Oh, black on dark orange. That's hard to read. Uh, marketing speak, blah, blah, blah. Can't read it. Too dark. Yep, just what Greg said. 2008. Your 20-odd-8 beer of the evening is 13. Pours blackity black. Tiny little snifter and like no light is getting through, even in the very bottom. None. It's one of the darkest beers. Yeah. That is dark. If you look down through the top, right at the edge, you can kind of get a little bit of dark brown. But it doesn't reflect light at all. Let's see. Hmm. Not a warm huge aroma. Up. Yeah, warm not, you up, sucker. Warm it up because the aroma's pretty closed off. Beer. Oh, yes. Beer, beer, beer. Beer. Beer, 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 beer. Let's oh. see. So, what news have I there, seen? There was a beer news thing that I wanted to bring up. See if I can find it. Go ahead and talk. Oh, I, I can talk about something real quick. I, I just noticed I Lavery Brewing up in Erie. They had the the mobile canning guys come. There is a company in Pennsylvania, that based out of eastern Pennsylvania. They do mobile canning. I don't know much more about it than that. They have a truck with a canner in it. Mm-hmm. They bring the cans. They do either heat shrink or pressure sensitive labels. So the label, like, so they're blank cans that they'll stick labels on, and you can have them come to your brewery and can some shit up. <laughs> Sounds like an interesting... It's, it's a business model I would have never thought of. Mobile canning line. Hmm. I don't know if there's if this is prominent in other places. I just, just hit my radar just the other day. Uh, so, 
take a look at that. That's that's fascinating. You can uh, not invest in a canning line. Just have the guys pull the truck up and run some hoses out to their truck and can up some beer, apparently. Can up your own beer. That's nice. It, it, actually, I was um, I was mentioning to somebody who might think they want to open a brewery. I'm like, what about doing a gypsy brewery? You know, that's you know where you brew at night on a brewery that's not being used. You know, buy a couple fermenters. Here, go even crazier. Mobile fermenters, right? Put them on a truck, <laughs> and then take your fermenters to the mobile canning guys, and not have a canning line and can your beer that way. I don't know. It's there's all kinds. Of, you were talking about like in the pre-show about economics and and you know deriving value from things, right? There's there's a yeah new way to to do a brewery without like having a brewery just because you just need to own the vessels. Breweries hardly ever have extra fermenter space, right? So you, you, the gypsy brewers either pay a premium for the fermenter space, or they gypsy brewers or brewers don't have their own brewery and they brew on other brewer systems. Um, you know, one of the most one of the first ones I had heard of is Pretty Things up in Boston, and Dan Paquette, you know, brews at local breweries. And, um, yeah, mount a couple of fermenters on the back of a flatbed, and then you just take your beer with you after you're done brewing it. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you have you already have the thing set up, so you can probably do that mounting relatively easily. <laughs> all right, so I think this beer is warmed up. Has the aroma opened up at all? little smoky in the aroma it's not a very it's very tight i mean not giving up much not giving up many clues when you take a sniff of it if i'm getting anything i'm getting a little bit of smokiness hmm. a little bit of booziness you took a sip what do you got over there licorice um really dark Deep roasts, a uh, there's mm. a little bit of so they use the Belgian yeast, right? Mm. Uh, I think I'm tasting like a little bit of pear or something like that. So it's very estery for a stout, yeah. right? And even for an imperial stout, it's a lot more estery. So I'm getting things like pear. There's something a little flowery going on, but the licorice is right, and it, it definitely has a. I hesitate to say soy sauce, but maybe just a tiny little touch of it. That's a good pull. Maybe, uh, it's a little, maybe a little bit like cola syrup or something like that as well. Hmm. I like the soy sauce pull because I was trying to, to think of, of, of what that is. And, and, and that's a good one. I mean, soy sauce is, is a fermented, mm-hmm. uh, Actually, the more I drink it, the more Product. I'm more I'm backing up my. I was hesitantly throwing out the soy sauce, but your affirmation and my next sip, I'm a little more on the soy yeah. sauce, and it's not disgusting soy sauce. It's not, you know, what you might what you've heard about Sam Adams Triple Bock. But there there is a shade. There's a flavor that mm-hmm. that's you know a very similar compound. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this uh, Budweiser uh, Black Crown advertisement, where they're sort of admitting that they have no that they're Regular beer has no flavor. Um, so this is back from February. This Black yeah. Crown was something I did on the Super Bowl, I believe. Um, you can't expect consistency 
between <laughs> different lines of, of Anheuser Busch. Um, I haven't I haven't tried it. Uh, I've, come on, it's just more of the same. It's yeah. just their it's their premium lager brand as opposed to their standard lager brand or whatnot. You know, it's the. I mean, if it, you it, tried Budweiser American Ale, you know how failed they can be at this. Thing. Well, I mean, Bud Light is to Bud Light Pla- Bud Platinum as Budweiser is to Black Crown. I mean, it's just it's it's mostly marketing and 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 positioning yeah. you know it's product positioning it's saying you know this is more affluent than the nascar budweiser right because it they probably find it's hard to market budweiser to hipsters yes. because those nasty nascar guys are drinking so, it so what do you think of of the idea that beer is a craft beer is a hipstery thing, and w- I don't know. It's, I'm wondering because does, does hipster have I mean, the same hip, well, connotation yeah, I mean, that hippie used to have now? Well, hipster is, is is is. I mean, when I think hipster, right or wrong, when I think hipster, I think you know, wearing uncomfortable pants, wearing ironic facial hair, drinking. Pretending, you know, drinking bad beer, you know, bad, you know, like PBR, right? That's the hipster beer. You know, that's that's the kind of thing I see for hipster, where instead of hipster, maybe the hip thing. Well, you're thinking of an ironic hipster. Okay. But there are non-ironic hipsters. No, there isn't. Yes. No. I no, saw no. plenty on, on the no on the boat. <laughs> no such thing. Um, I don't know. I mean... Why? Okay, so it's like, why do you drink craft beer? Do you drink it because you like it and it tastes better, or do you drink it because most of your friends don't? Well, no, <laughs> well, that's that's only if you're. I mean, is that is that ironic, hipster? Still, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's still that's still being ironic about it. Whereas the non-ironic hipster is he's, he's just into. Things that that are, good. I, I think maybe okay. So so here's here's what I'll, but I'll he's throw a little, it out. But he could be a little pretentious about it, or or likes to and show off. There's that he probably does it. there's probably a Venn diagram with lots of overlap, right? Yeah, that, right. You know, because a lot of people, hipsters and not, are they're eating more flavorful foods. They're eating different things. They're you know, it's just it's this whole a great awakening of flavor. You know, over the last twenty, you know. 15 years or so, right? It's just a... The, the thing that, that that I think qualifies you for a hipster, as being a hipster, I, I think the, the one thing that, that fits it all is that you are using your appearance and, and your actions to advertise yourself. So you're, you're making sure people notice you in some way. Uh, that sure. okay. that could be what you know. You could do that ironically or not ironically. Okay, so hey, look, I'm drinking dogfish head. Right. So I must be smart or interesting or interesting. Or, or, right. Right. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I drink Fair dogfish enough. head because I think it tastes good. Well. We've established that, right. I think. 
over the course of our show. There's what's the downside? Okay, so I don't want to get too much rat hole on this one, but what's the what's the downside? I, they're they're drinking better beer. They're I don't know. I don't know that there is mm-hmm. one. I I'm bringing it up because there's uh you know, I I've talked about this a lot. Noticed a lot more women coming to these things. There was a lot of women at the Pittsburgh Craft Beer Fest and and at these things. One thing I don't notice is an equal proportion of people of color, and it's it's base it's generally a white cultural phenomenon. At well, least at craft beer is there's well there's I mean there's, there are exceptions. So there, there, be careful, right? Because an expensive beer festival, you know, might not attract the same people that. They might choose to spend their money buying a case of craft beer as opposed to going to a three-hour event. I mean, maybe I, there could be lots of reasons. But, for but it. yeah, but it, but the beer culture in general. I mean, the, the entirety of the beer culture is almost almost well, completely. And, okay, so you're talking about people. I mean. Okay, so this is how we got to wrap this up. But I mean, going into all kinds of rabbit speculation, right? Well, because I'm still talking about beer, so I mean, yeah, but we're kind of getting into like you, the and the people of color you do see at beer events are more affluent, right? You know, it, craft beer is it's a it's a more affluent thing. Well, I, mean, it, I I think you you generally find more affluent people at a craft beer event. So th- th- that you'd find people of color th- that are more affluent is just, it's because of the nature of, of the fact that more affluent people are right. in craft beer. But it, it requires some disposable income to buy organic food, to yeah, buy craft yeah. beer. You know, and if you just look at the, the overall numbers of society, there's less people of color in that position. Yeah, but I, but it, it's not just, okay, so it's, but then we're not just talking about black people. There's, there's not a lot of, uh, you don't see a, a great amount of Asian. You don't see. Uh, they a have a whole thing of, where they can't drink alcohol. <laughs> you don't see a large amount of Latino. You don't see sure. a large amount of. Uh, of we know we're we're in a a pretty white city too. But we've been to, I mean, Savor is a good example. Yeah. Ah. I, yeah, I, 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 there's a lot of sociology and, and things going on here. You know, if anything, my thought is, you know, maybe there's more markets to open up, right? There's that, that whole yeah. pie can get even bigger with, you know, finding, you know, getting some of these other um, ethnicities. Or, yeah, ethnicities. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. These other ethnicities, you know, into craft beer. I don't know. Let's drink. Let's get back to the beer. Okay. Let's get back to what we know or what we pretend we know. Because I don't pretend I know anything about sociology. I, I just think it's an interesting, you know, it, it's interesting these trends, and you want to see them evolve in what you hope is a more inclusive way. All right, number on to 14. fourteen. So this is a wheat wine, uh, unfiltered, made with fifty percent wheat, and yeah. That's it. Eleven point eight percent alcohol by volume. I'm glad we got at least five xylostoppers. If you don't have five xylostoppers, you should go to craftyradio.com slash Amazon and go buy some. 
It looks a really nice copper un- color. Okay, so you said unfiltered. Yeah. But this thing's been sitting in the fridge for a year. Yeah. And it is crystal. It's a wheat wine, half wheat, and the thing is crystal clear. Look at that. It, it is. is a freckle beer. I can see my fingerprint through the glass. <laughs> I've never seen a weeded beer so clear. Well, you let it sit for that long. Yeah, but the wheat stuff's not supposed to, you know, fall. You know, it's not supposed to fall out of suspension. It's just there. It's super clear. It looks like an Anheuser Busch product. I mean, it is so clear, but not color wise. Color wise, it's a beautiful um, copper. Copper. Oh yeah, copper. The bubbles are shooting up from the bottom of the glass. It's really clear and pretty beer. Looks really nice in these tiny snifters we have. The little baby snifters. Hey, but they're keeping us from getting wasted. If we were using yeah. our normal glasses, oh, this would be a completely different show by now. That that digression would have gone on for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it did go close to 20 minutes. It would have been like an hour and a half. Our hands are tightly wrapped around these baby snifters to get a little bit of warmth into this beer and open it up. So we're going to have to get... Uh, you know, after 14, I, I wasn't on the ball. So 15, 16, 17, and 18, I guess we'll have to uh, pass on. Or really call in a favor for the brewery and say, yeah. send, us all your, send us everything out of your archive cellar. You don't need it. If you don't drink it, what's the point, right? This one has a similar... It doesn't... It, it's not coming across as, as sake. But there's a similar spicy slash hotness in the aroma. A little bit of a lemon zesty kind of thing on oh. the tip of the tongue at the oh, end. Oh, you took there. a sip? Even the aroma. When you say like lemon zest, it definitely is in the nose a little bit too. It's a yeah, lemongrassy kind of flavor. There's hmm. Hmm. There's a lot. It's a lot of wheat. <laughs> it's very it dry. Very it's a little chalky. Kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of wheat thins. Uh, sort of the. Having a hard time with this one because <laughs> I can taste it, but I'm describing what that is 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 hard. It's uh, hmm. it's not bad, but it's it it really doesn't compare to some of the better beers tonight, you know. And it's it, if anything, it's like lacking all umami. There's like yeah. no umptiousness to this, yeah. you know. It's like nothing is like sucking you in and making you want to cradle it. It's still good. It's kind of bitter. Maybe it tastes a little bit like a bitter melon. It's got like I think there's there's a little bit of a cucumberiness that's coming out of it uh, with salt. <laughs> Not tasting like salt, but you mm-hmm. know, sort of a bittering mm-hmm. agent. Um, it's it, yeah, cucumber. 
Yeah, I, I hear you. It, it's definitely like the driest wheat wine I've had. You know, when they're bigger and juicier, you know, they have so many characters to it. This one's like... You keep expecting this is, malt to hit, and it doesn't. No, it's almost like it reminds... I mean, minus the spicing, it reminds me more of a wit beer than a Hefeweizen, right? Yeah, um, sure. You know, and maybe that... Like, imagine like a, a spiceless wit beer wine as opposed to a wheat wine which is kind of more like a hefeweizen wine in a lot of cases or american wheat wine mm. right you know if i can put any kind of benchmarks in the ground and kind of say start here and go this way i would say it's kind of like the kind of wheat you taste in a wit beer without the spices and then amplify that up to a you know a wheat wine type beer yeah, the, the the alcohol, pretty high alcohol, doesn't have much of a platform here. And so it's it's losing out mm-hmm. and, and becoming apparent and a little you know, a little hot because of that. Well, that was five years of Wirebacher. There you go. Oh. I can go on the ranking if you're already. Yeah. Uh, my uh, top beer is going to have to be the Decadence, the 10th anniversary. It's most wonderful spiced barley wine I've ever tasted. It's the third time I've tasted it and it is still, it's probably been five years since I've had it, if not more. It's wonderful. Number two is going to be 12. That rye, excuse me, the rye wine. I really liked it. Had that sake mead, whiskey thing going on. Really dug it. Number three is going to be the 13, which was the Belgian Imperial Stout. Um, not, Not as Amazing as the top two. You know, it wasn't top tier, mm-hmm. but it was still a very good beer. Um, and in Belgian Imperial, Belgian stouts, probably not a style that I would say I love. I haven't found one that I've been like, you know, that's dropped my pants. It's been, you know, just a decent style. Uh, number four is going to be the 14, the wheat wine we just had. It was fine. It was a lot drier than most wheat wines that I'm used to and really not my wheelhouse. And then the 11 which was that triple IPA that had the the really... It tasted like hop pellets. It had a texture of hop pellets. It was very um, dusty in the aroma, gritty in the mouthfeel. I was surprised it still had all the hop character, especially after what Chris had told me years ago about how it had not aged well. Um, hard, yeah, I won't say hard luck loser. It was just out of these beers, it just was the... You know, 2006, 2006 beer in yeah. 2013. Yeah, it just didn't make it. It was the uh, one out. I mean, it happens. Yeah. Not everyone's going to be a grand one. I, I agree with you, number one. Decadence is, yeah. Decadence was, was awesome. Uh, my number two, I'm going to go with the Hero Style, the 13. Uh, yeah, a little soy sauce in my beer. Okay, I can deal with that. It um, had a lot of good flavors to go with it, too. Uh, there was nothing uh, that I... I didn't really have any, any criticisms of it. Whereas the other ones, I think I had criticisms of, uh, mostly because of my palate. But I'll go with twelve as uh, my uh, number three beer. While it it had those whiskey notes that I wasn't quite all on with, uh, I could see why people would really enjoy it. Uh, I know that these these rankings are kind of perfunctory. It's not, doesn't really matter because it's not like we're going to get these. Uh, we're not going to find these very available, but for the, for the sake of, of record, we might as well do them. Uh, now, and I, I agree with you on the last two. 14 was a, a wheat wine 
that was missing the wheat. Well, it wasn't missing the wheat. It was missing the malt. It was missing a key character component there to give it some oomph, to give it uh, to give it balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, it, it it lost out. And that would normally have have been the bottom beer, but eleven was just kind of this this bland hop juice or like the pelletized hop it's hop water yeah hop water <laughs> that really didn't didn't have much appealing factors to it at all but the decadence was amazing and and like I said we only have the bottle of 11 because I begged for it Chris knew we would say yeah. what we said yeah. so so don't uh, don't hold that don't against hold, them yeah, exactly alright that was Craft Beer Radio episode 2 Four, eight, and we will be back shortly with the best episode ever, at least since the last episode. That's a <laughs> started off as a bold claim, became less so. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta manage expectations. Understood, understood. We uh, quit recording and forgot about all the good stuff. Uh, you can send us emails: beer at craftbeerradio.com. We are on Twitter. At CBR Greg. At Jeff Bear. We are on Facebook at The Craft Beer Radio because someone else took Craft Beer Radio. Those damn Colorado guys. Um, hipsters. Those damn hipsters. And then on Google Plus at Craft Beer Radio. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit our website to find out what that means. And uh, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Greg. Happy Mother's Day, Jeff.